some of the conventions that I have been to, state and democratic conventions, and also some of those that I have heard about that are, are interesting historically. And also, I'm going in at the tail end of this uh, tape and put down some of the precinct conventions that I attended before I was eligible to attend those conventions. The first convention that I will talk about will be the one, the Democratic Convention, in 1894 that was held in Dallas, Texas. Now, back in those days, the, they did not have the primary election law. And the Democrats would hold a convention, and they would nominate their candidate, and uh, he would go on to the general ballot as a result of the vote at the convention. And so that was where the, the Democrats nominated and, in effect, elected the governor of Texas. Now, I want to bear that in mind because nowadays you have the primary and then you have a runoff, and that's the way they, uh, they uh, nominate the Democratic uh, candidate. But in 1894, Mr. J.H. Patton, who was the builder of and the, the owner of the old fortress building there at Oak Hill. In those days, I think the town was called Oatmanville. Anyway, Mr. J.H. Patton was a young man, and he run the store, and he was the bellwether in that community. And as such, he was the Democratic chairman of that box. And, of course, that was back in horse and buggy days. Well, Mr. Patton was nominated as the delegate from Oak Hill, or Oatmanville, to go to the Travis County Convention, uh, and there they would nominate delegates to go to the, the state convention in Dallas of that year. So Mr. Patton was telling me this before his death. He said that, of course, he went to the county convention, and being one of the uh, election judges and being on what, the Democratic Committee uh, as of that date, uh, he was given the opportunity to go to Dallas as one of the Travis County delegates. And uh, there was uh, another man was running against Mr. Corbison at that time. He had vowed that he wanted to be the nominee at the convention. But the Travis County delegation had gotten together at the Travis County convention. And they had decided that they were going to support Mr. Corbison at the Dallas convention. And so the uh, delegates were all instructed to vote uh, for Mr. Corbison at the Dallas County convention at the Dallas, where the state convention was going to be held. Well, Mr. Patton said that living out at Oak Hill, that uh, he got in his horse and buggy on the morning that they were supposed to go to Dallas, and they were supposed to catch a train at a certain time rather early in the morning because in those days it took all day long for the train to go from Austin to Dallas. So he went into the, to the wagon yard to leave his horse and buggy until he could spend these two or three days in Dallas and then would pick it up when he came back. Well, he said he got into town a little too late and the train had already left for Dallas. Also, the only thing he could do to uh, make up for it was to wait around until late that afternoon when the second train would go to Dallas and that train would get into Dallas the next morning right after daylight. Well, Mr. Patton says he caught the evening train and he got into Dallas the next morning and they were holding the convention just uh, three or four blocks from the uh, depot. Dallas was not a large town or city in those days, and so Mr. Patton said he had his old carpet bag, and he got off the train, and 
So he started walking up to the convention hall, not knowing what had taken place, but he knew that he was going to be late for the starting of the convention. So here was the stage set when he got in the convention hall. He, t he found this out later. But he said what had happened, <clears throat> they had nominated the opponent to Mr. Culberson, and Mr. Culberson had been nominated, and of course they had a roll call vote of all the counties. And they'd gotten down to Travis County, and uh, the, uh, they'd taken all the others, and uh, the Travis County delegation was, of course, pledged to Culberson. And when Mr. Patton walked into the convention hall at the back end of it, uh, of course, he was close to the Travis County delegation since they were seated alphabetically, and they were toward the back end of the hall. And so uh, they were, Mr. Patton was not aware of the fact that the convention was deadlocked at that particular time between Mr. Culberson and his opponent. And so uh, the Travis County delegation, as soon as they saw Mr. Patton arrive, then they hollered that here's another delegate that we have, and he has a right to cast his vote. In those days, you could not cast a vote by proxy. So a man had to be there to cast his vote, and Mr. Patton was not there when they were casting their votes. And so uh, the uh, chairman of the convention, whomsoever he was, he uh, checked the list and he said, yes, Mr. Patton is a, is, a, is a delegate here to this convention, and he has a right to cast his vote in this, in this vote. Uh, so he said, Mr. Patton, how do you vote for Mr. Corbison or this other man? Well, uh, still, Mr. Patton says he didn't know that it was a tie vote. So he said, well, I'm uh, following his instructions. He said, I'm, I'm for Mr. Culberson. And uh, the convention just uh, went into uh, a bedlam. And uh, the chairman says, all right, Mr. Culberson, that makes him the nominee of the Democratic Party. Well, Mr. Patton didn't know that he was electing the next governor of Texas by his vote, but that's exactly what he did. And so uh, Charlie Culberson was nominated, and of course that was tantamount to election, and Mr. Culberson became governor of Texas. Later on, he became United States Senator, where he was residing at the time of his death, I think. But anyway, when um, Mr. Carlson made it a point to find out who this uh, uh, angel from heaven was, it had uh, got him nominated, and uh, then uh, in Austin, then moving to Austin to become the uh, the governor. Well, Mr. Patton said he had the free range of the governor's mansion in office all the time Charlie Carlson was governor, and uh, if there's anything he needed in the Senate. Later on, he got a, a good ear from Charles Coverson. And well, he might have, because inadvertently and unknowingly, that one vote nominated one of the most famous politicians of Texas for his first big job of governor of Texas, and it was the making of Charlie Coverson. It looks like the good Lord had his hand on Charlie's shoulder that morning, and it, uh, Mr. Patton was the angel of mercy. The first state convention, Democratic convention, that I remember attending and having any part in, but it was a very small part, I got to be one of the listeners. But that was the 1931 convention after Mrs. Ferguson had defeated Ross Sterling. And uh, it was a lot of hard feelings that year because Governor Moody was uh, really the, the King B back of Sterling, and he just was not going to let the Fergusons take over the Democratic Party, so he thought. But the convention was to be held in, in Lubbock, and they were going to hold it at uh, the convention hall, would have been the, the gymnasium at the Texas Tech College. And uh, uh, we were for uh, the Fergusons, the Sheltons were, and although we were friends of Mr. Moody, but we were for Ferguson, and we were going to take part in this. Now, in those days, uh, there wasn't any way to get to Lubbock, really, from Austin. But uh, you couldn't go by airplane, you had to go by car, or the only way to get into to Lubbock by train 
would be to go to Temple and change your car there at Temple and then go on in to, to uh, Lovell. <coughs> but there were two or three delegations that were we were interested in, and one of them was out of San Antonio. And Walter Tynan was then the district attorney, I believe, of San Antonio, and he was kind of the, the uh, head of the machine down there, and Walter was a friend of ours. We had uh, tried a case here in Austin involving him, but uh, Walter was a, an old Texas Longhorn. He'd played football in their late teens, and, and uh, I believe he had, was a teammate of Harry Dolan on the Texas Longhorns. Harry was called Irish Dolan when he was going to the university. Anyway, the San Antonio group got to Lubbock either by train, but I think they went by their cars because they had a, a headquarters in one of the two big hotels in Lubbock at that time, and uh, uh, that was going to be the headquarters of the group. And, of course, the convention was quite a little ways out of town at that time because the Texas Tech campus was uh, two or three miles from the downtown Lubbock. But anyway, the San Antonio delegation had gotten to Lubbock, and they had taken up their headquarters. And then uh, the Sheldons, we decided to go up there by car, and my brother Edgar at that time was uh, uh, on, st on the faculty at the uh, Texas Tech, and he lived out close, <coughs> uh, close to the university campus and was a next-door neighbor to George Benson. George at that time was one of the president of one of the banks and a very close personal friend of Edgar's, and since uh, Polk and Johnny and, and Mama and I don't know how many of us went up there, but uh, we had... Uh, uh, quite a little delegation, two car loads, I'm sure, and so George was nice enough to let Edgar uh, uh, billet some of, the, some of his family over in his house, and I was one of them that got to sleep over in George's house. But anyway, we got up there and about uh, a day or so before the convention to kind of get, uh, get our whistles wet, and, and then it was during Prohibition, I know, because we didn't have, uh, of course, Lubbock was always dry, but we took some grain alcohol up there. We was going to make pink ladies with. That was our drink, pink ladies. We were going to put orange juice or something with grain alcohol that we carried with us. <clears throat> now then, the, the uh, Williamson County delegation was headed by Harry Dolan. Harry Dolan at that time, I think he was either district attorney or, or he might have been the district judge. But anyway, Harry was going to take his delegation from Williamson County up there, and, and he was the head of it. And, of course, there were a lot of these Bohemian people from around Granger that, and Taylor that, that uh, just thought Harry hung the moon, and he was their idol, and he was, uh, he was the king bee for them. So they had come to Lubbock, I mean to Temple, and changed trains and gone on into Lubbock, and they got there about the, maybe the day before the convention. But uh, we were already there, the San Antonio delegation, and we'd been making merry with Walter Tynan and his group, and, and so we all went down to the train when the Williamson County delegation, along with a number of others, came in because each train that came in would bring somebody else in. And so the Williamson County delegation came in, and, and uh, Walter wanted to see his old football buddy, uh, Irish Dolan, and so when Harry got off of the train, he was pretty well in his cups. And it didn't take but one drink for Harry to get into his cups. But Harry got, he had lost his shoes. And so he made the march from the depot off up to the hotel barefooted. And then, as, as in other conventions you will hear later on, well, Harry was placed in bed and put away. And, and uh, we went on and held the convention. <coughs> about, that was the situation about the time the convention was to start. But it, uh, there was a lot of moody people up there. They, they knew they were not in the majority over the state, but uh, they were going to make a big to-do, and they were going to try to keep the Ferguson from taking over the Democratic Party. And so the play was for the Ferguson folks to, uh, of course, uh, uh, elect the uh, permanent chairman of the convention and then not let the 
the Moody folks even come into the convention hall if we could help it. We were going to disenfranchise them, as a matter of fact. And so that was the situation uh, when the convention started, and the uh, the uh, man who was elected chairman, I remember, was a big old tall man, about six foot four, and he had been a senator, or was senator, from Dallas County uh, to the state uh, senate. And... Uh, in those days, we we had uh, the, the beginnings of the of the loudspeaker system. We had a mic up on the platform, or the podium as they called it, in the gymnasium, and it it had been built for this specific occasion, and it was right up against one of the doors at one end of the gym, and it was up about four or five feet high, of course, and and then this mic was on top of it, and there was chairs uh, around for the the important people to sit, and uh, during the course of the convention, well. Uh, this man had been elected by uh, a voice roll, uh, roll call vote, vote, of course, and, and the Fergusons were in full charge at that time. Well, uh, when the man made his uh, uh, speech to uh, accept the nomination, he adjusted the mic to where it fit his uh, uh, voice and, and head up about uh, six feet or more tall. And uh, there became a lull in the, uh, in the convention hall uh, while we was getting rid of all the moody folks and making them get out because they were disenfranchised and they were leaving anyhow they were disgusted and it so happened that our Bastrop senator Senator Paul Page was a delegate from Bastrop and I'm sure Paul had been in the state senate at the time that uh, Governor Jim Ferguson had been uh, been impeached and probably was one of the ringleaders in trying to impeach Governor Ferguson because uh, Paul Page was a strong anti-Ferguson man and a strong moody man well, Paul, of course, was the main man in Bastrop, and he was a delegate and righteously elected, but they had decided they were not going to let Paul sit in the convention hall. Uh, or Anyway, he was he, he had uh, gotten in his cups. Now, Paul was one something like uh, Harry Dolan, only he could hold his liquor a little better than Harry. He could at least walk after he was drinking, and Harry couldn't. But Paul was there during the lull in this convention while they were getting rid of the people, and uh, nothing was happening on the podium. Well, Paul saw his opportunity. He either come back through the back door there by the podium, or he managed to get up on the podium somehow or another. But there he was, a little short man. I don't think he was more than five foot six or eight inches tall. And he was in his cups, and so he slips over to this mic. And, of course, he couldn't speak through it from the way it was, so he had to get a hold of it and back off and, and get the speaker down close to his mouth. And uh, no one noticed who he was, they, the the Sergeant Arms up there didn't know Paul Page, but here's what Paul says. He says, I have nothing but the greatest of respect for the good governor of Texas, but I'll tell you her husband is a thieving son of a bitch. And by the time that had gotten out, the people on the podium there, the Sergeant Arms, uh, the rafters had not echoed that uh, sentiment until Paul was bodily grabbed by two or three men, and they took him to the edge of that platform, and they throwed him out that back door just like he was a big old stick of cardwood. And, but Paul had gotten to the convention, and he'd had his say. And uh, that was the tone, and it, everybody had a lot of fun out of it, I think, except Paul, and he probably wasn't hurt too much because he had got his say. I'll say this, that later in later years in my practice of law, uh, I would go to Bastrop for certain business, and uh, Paul Page was, was a big lawyer down there, and, and he was also the banker. And when you went down to talk to Mr. Page, you met him afternoon at the bar, uh, at the blacksmith shop. He played uh, dominoes or cards of some kind. Uh, some came at the blacksmith shop in the afternoons, and, and it was an old blacksmith shop right uh, on the left-hand north side of the road as you come across the bridge and on the main street in, in Bastrop. And it was a dirt floor, 
And if you wanted to talk to Paul, you stood around behind his uh, chair until he got a lull in the game and he would talk over his shoulder and I guess he did his back his business there as well as his law. But anyway, I had one or two conversations with Mr. Page later on and that's the way I'm, I had my conversations with him with reference to law cases was uh, while he's playing dominoes or poker or something at this table in the blacksmith shop. Democracy is coming.